Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's word for us today. All right. Hey, well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody awake this morning? You're not awake. Y'all need some more coffee. All right. Hey, my name is Matt Foreman. I'm the lead pastor. So glad you're here today. Uh, we're going to jump right into our teaching today. Real easy one today. Genesis chapter three. That's where we're going to land today, right at the beginning of the Bible. So if you want to grab a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter three. If you didn't bring a paper Bible and you'd like to use one, there are paper Bibles spread throughout the auditorium about every other seat or so. You could grab one of those. Or you simply could go to sermons.church on a browser on your smart device, search Cornerstone Church, all the scriptures, fill in the blanks will be there for you today. And uh, to get us started today, I wanted to do so this way. Uh, many of you know that Wednesday was a special day. Right? What was Wednesday? It was Valentine's Day, all right? So my wife and I, we did the most romantic thing ever. What did I miss? Oh, it was Ash Wednesday. It was Ash Wednesday too. All right, but we did, Lee and I did the most romantic thing ever and we went to a men's Notre Dame basketball game because why not, uh, those kind of things. But uh, Wednesdays is when I usually sit down and uh, work on the teaching for Sunday. And so uh, I actually Google, I went to the Googler, all right? And uh, I Googled this, uh, most iconic famous couples of all time. I was just kind of curious, like who were the most, most iconic couples of all time on Valentine's Day? About 50 came up and uh, they included people like this one, Prince William and Kate Middleton, made sense. Uh, for maybe some of you that are a little older than me, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, right? Uh, this one was kind of special to me because I kind of grew up on country music, but uh, Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, right? Oh, everybody's, oh yeah, baby, right? Uh, let's see, maybe a little bit older generation, uh, John F. Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy, kind of iconic couple. Uh, for maybe the young people in the room, Beyonce and Jay-Z, right? Power couple. Uh, and then of course, uh, because they recently broke the internet, Travis Kelsey and Taylor. <laughs> Man, a mixed crowd today. All right. Uh, they were actually not on the list. I added that one, uh, but man, because they broke the internet. All right, those kind of things. But so as I was looking at these, I was actually specifically looking to see if there was going to be one couple on there and they were. Anybody want to take a guess? Adam and Eve, yeah, Adam and Eve, they were actually on the list. They were the only biblical couple that was actually on the list. I thought it was kind of cool. And uh, I actually used that today because we are going to talk about Adam and Eve today and the story in Genesis chapter three. Uh, again, probably a very familiar text to many of you, but I hope today will be a fresh look at it. Um, but we're gonna continue, we're gonna talk about them by continuing in our message series that we've been in over the last several weeks here at the church called Get It Out, Learning from Internally Locked Up things. And just in case you haven't been here, what we're doing in this series is we're looking at stories in the Bible where people didn't do that. They didn't get it. They had some stuff internally inside and then they didn't get it out. And by not getting it out, it actually created a lot of challenge in their life. And uh, we're trying to figure out what can we learn from them so that we don't have to live the way they did. We can live differently, better than they did, not as locked up as they were. And today we're going to look at this uh, story of Adam and Eve in that context and uh, in case you don't, uh, haven't been familiar with the story, that's okay. Let me kind of fill you in. In Genesis chapter three, we see uh, Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden, all right? And this is like paradise, like super paradise, all right? And everything is going really, really great for Adam and Eve until, 
until there is a conversation with, that Eve has with a serpent, which is actually in the story that is, is Satan himself. And they're in this conversation about a sp- particular tree in the garden. Should they eat the fruit in this garden or should they not eat the fruit that's from this tree in the garden? And uh, this is uh, a pivotal story for Adam and Eve, but it's also a pivotal story for you and me. And we'll see why as we go on uh, today as well. So let's read this uh, about this iconic couple. And we're gonna, again, with the context of what internally locked up lesson can we take from them, all right? So we're gonna start in verse one. We're gonna jump around a little bit today because I'm trying to save a little bit of time. So please read the whole chapter on your own time this week. All right, but we're gonna start in verse one. Verse one says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, that's Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and we must not touch it or we will die. Verse four, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Verse six, well, when the woman said to the, that saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took, took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Not great. Verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 16, this is the aftermath. To the woman, he said, because you have done this, I will make your birth pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Verse 17, to Adam, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. And then verse 23, so the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Now, again, likely very familiar for many of us in the room, those kind of things, but I think there's some really important things to unpack in this text. Lessons to learn from Adam and Eve in this particular story of Adam and Eve. And what I've titled this morning, the message of Adam and Eve, not a know-it-all, not a know-it-all. And I'll explain more about what that means in just a few minutes as we go on, but definitely want to try to take what we see here and try to kind of, what lessons can we take and put into our lives so that we don't have to mess up and live the way that they did as often, all right? And so uh, before I give those things to you, I wanna pray. So if you could pray with me and then uh, I'll give you a couple things to write down and think about. So let's pray together. So God, we pause for a moment. Just first of all, it's kind of taking note of the fact that we're talking to you, a holy God. And uh, God, as we take some time now to look deep into this scripture, God, we pray, our prayer is, is that this would actually have meaning to our life. God, by the power of your spirit, that you would teach us something, you encourage us, maybe challenge us. Maybe there's something in here that would alter our lives from this moment forward, and we pray for that. We're grateful that we've gotten some time to worship and to sing about you and to you, and God, but now we just just ask for an encounter with you to be different. Help us in this time to figure out what this means for us and what we see you in this story and what you're up to, and ultimately what you wanna do and what you're up to in our lives. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. Amen. All right, two points today. We're going to look at things that we need to kind of look at the story specifically and how, what to learn uh, in order to not li live and experience life like these guys did, Adam and Eve, different than they did. First one, you can write this in. Uh, Adam and Eve missed it. Remember, in this series, we're talking about getting it out, right? So they missed it by giving credence to reasonable doubt. You can fill that in. Giving credence to reasonable doubt. Now, fully transparent. Uh, I had to look up the word credence because I didn't know what it meant. All right, so credence actually means credibility. All right, so Adam and Eve, like, they, they missed it by giving credibility to reasonable doubt, forgetting actually what God had already established in this story. And, and, and so as I was thinking about that and like, this, okay, there was this reason, I'll kind of explain more what I'm talking about, but I thought, gosh, I don't know about you, but it is so easy to doubt, isn't it? It is so easy to doubt. And, and then when I then looked at the, the story of Adam and Eve, folks, it took one question and one phrase. One question and one phrase to get Adam and Eve to stray. Just take a look at it again, verse one. It says uh, in verse one, he, the serpent, said to the woman, here's the question, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Like he's thinking, all right, Eve, come on. Come on, like, did, did God really say this? Like, and then she's like, well, yeah, he, he did in verse three, right? God did say, you must not eat from, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. So there was just one question. And then the one phrase in verse four from the serpent, he says, you will not certainly die. Right? So by the way, I, as I was thinking that this week, I, was, I love the fact that the word certainly, well, I don't love it, but I, I think it's interesting that the, the word certainly is in this. It's like, you won't certainly like, like it's possible, but it's not like certain. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna be like, boom, like you're dead. Like there's just the reality of like, well, it's kind of, it's possible. And which is kind of interesting that then she still goes along with it because there's still a possibility she may die, right? There was this one question and this one phrase, and that was enough to give Eve uh, uh, enough momentum to give credence to reasonable doubt and thus started the downward spiral from there and ultimately not only from there, but then to us, right? And, and so then again, it's like, I was thinking, gosh, it's so easy. We see it in the story and it's so easy for us. I, I was thinking about this. Uh, just by a show of hands, did any of you doubt anything this week? Raise your hand if you doubted anything. Okay, I figured there'd be a bunch of us in the room. So like the reality, right? Like it is easy for us to doubt. Like in life, it's just easy. Like we can doubt like in life in general, like I wrote doubt, doubt, doubt our skills, our abilities, our worth, our decisions. We can doubt God, which we actually see here in this text, right? They, they were doubting God, forgetting about what he had already established in the midst of this, like the rule that he had already put in place. They started to doubt. And what I wanna to suggest today is that, is that they, Adam and Eve, needed vulnerability. Remember, we're in this season, this year of talking about vulnerability, why we're in this, this uh, series we're in. They needed vulnerability admitting that they didn't know what was best. They should, like folks, do you, do you, like there would be value in us admitting like they needed to admit that how many of you know that you don't know always what is best? You don't, I don't know what is always best. And, and so Adam and Eve, when I was thinking about this, I was like, wow, they, they withheld that here. The fact that they needed vulnerability to say, maybe I don't know what's best in this moment. And in the long run, it cost them so much. We're just gonna look at more in a little bit later today, but they didn't know, and you and I often don't know what really is best. We folks, let me, I'm gonna say it this way. We are not a know-it-all after all. Now, I know that might be news to some of you. You're not a know-it-all, 
right? And we're not a know-it-all after all, right? And, and, and so there's value in admitting that maybe there's times, and, and probably more often than we want to admit, that there's times that we actually don't know what is best. And there would have been great value, great value for Adam and Eve to admit that in this story. And they didn't. And so then as I was, I was thinking about that this week and I was uh, pondering it, I was reminded of something. I think I've actually shared this a couple of times uh, here. Uh, it's actually something that I walk through during my personal Bible time in the morning. Um, and I actually received this from a gentleman. He's a traveling pastor, teacher that I've had contact with over the last few years, several years. His name's Tom Harmon. Uh, Tom's an incredible teacher, preacher of the gospel. By the way, he can, he's literally uh, memorized the entire Bible. I don't know how he does it. Um, just incredible guy. And so he has this thing. I think I actually handed these out to some of you before. This, uh, this is actually a uh, yield my right list. And there are 29 things on here that I pray through in the mornings that, God, I, I, I'm gonna yield my right to this to you. And so there are things on here like I, I yield my right to be appreciated, to, to be right, to, to nurse my hurts, to, to defend myself, all these kind of things. And so one, as I was thinking about that this week and, I, and this, this concept of there's been value for them to admit and us to admit the fact that we don't always know what's best. One of the things that I have prayed through daily on this list that I yield my right to God to is my independence. And I know it's a little weird in America because we thrive on our independence. I'm so grateful we live in a country where we're independent, but folks, the reality is if we are independent of God and independent of godly counsel, we are going to be dependent in a way that we don't want to be dependent. And so there's this value in, in, in the story. The guys, gosh, like why, why did they choose independence over dependence? There's value for them to being dependent on God. Look at a couple of scriptures. This is for us too. John 15, five says, I am the vine, God. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Listen to this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That is not a call to be independent. That is a call to be dependent. Proverbs chapter three, five and six. We use this a lot around here at the church. I love this text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You see, that's a call again to be dependent, not independent, dependent on God, which we actually see here at Adam and Eve, they stray away from. They were not dependent in that moment upon God. They actually thought, well, I know what's best in here so I can just make this decision. And it actually had catastrophic consequences. They decided to take the path. And this is what I want to talk about in this point is that they, and I think there's value folks in us learning from them. They took the path of independence. And here's my thought. Maybe we do as well too often. Maybe we take the path of independence over dependence. And, and maybe, maybe some of us, it's only here or there, but maybe for some of us in the room, like we live our life this way. Like we're like, I'm the master of my domain. I'm going to make whatever decision and whatever shrapnel's behind me. By the way, you probably have experienced some of these people. Some of you might live that way. And so we've got to learn, I think, from this story that there's value in admitting and being vulnerable enough that we need to be dependent and rather than independent, right? Dependent on God specifically, but also we need, in the, gosh, this side of heaven, folks, there's a healthy dependence on other people, right? It says in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine and 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. It's good to be dependent on people, 
right? Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There's true value in being dependent to a certain extent with other people this side of heaven. And so what I wanna try to get at here, and what I'm really trying to, to kind of communicate is that a lesson I think that we can take from this story, from Adam and Eve, again, very familiar story to many of us, but something we can take from this story in Adam and Eve in the garden is that, folks, we need a process when reasonable doubt comes into our life. Because it's gonna come. Y'all just raised your hand like, hey, anybody doubt something this week? So many of us raised our hand. We need a process because it's gonna, that, that doubt, that reasonable doubt stuff's gonna happen in our lives. And when it happens, we need to have a plan, a, a, a way to deal with this reasonable doubt. Because if we don't, we're gonna end up like Adam and Eve and we're gonna make the wrong choice. We're, we're not gonna go towards the right paths. And so what I wanna try to communicate is that, Good decisions can still be made if we're just not locked up in our independence. Does that make sense? Good decisions can be made if we're not locked up just in our independence. We need to be a level of dependent. I mean, as I thought about the story and I thought about Adam and Eve this week, the truth is, I mean, they made this decision without counsel, right? They, they made this decision just very quickly. All right, we're gonna do this without counsel. And, and we know that because many of us have lived enough life, right? And this is actually uh, fill in the blank for you. you can fill this in. We know that decisions without counsel can often lead to catastrophe. Decisions without counsel can often lead to catastrophe. By the way, we've lived some of that in our life, have we not? When we didn't get enough counsel, when we, we just made a slap, uh, a slap decision and in a snap and all those kinds of things, we, we've, we've been in a place where catastrophe happened as a result. And what I love is that we have scripture to tell us the value of counsel. It says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, plans what? Fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. There would have been value to maybe for Adam and Eve, to the two of them talking about this together, to process it a little bit, right? Weighing out possible scenarios and outcomes to come to a much more informed decision. There may have been uh, value to when reasonable doubt showed up, maybe talk it out. Somehow, somewhere, some way, with someone. I mean, this was not, this was not a decision that they had to make uh, right there and then there. Like, they could have waited. Like, they could have paused. And, and, and there's value, folks. There's so much value when we're in this place in life where we got to, and by the, by the way, we make so many decisions every day. Like, it's like what to wear and all that kind of stuff. But like, like sometimes, like, this was, a, this was a what to eat moment, but it had great impact, as we'll see in a little bit later. And so there's so much value to just, pausing and, and, and getting counsel, especially on decisions that don't need to be made on the spot. I thought about them, like I thought about Adam and Eve and I was thinking about, uh, about it this way. Like, um, have you ever uh, had uh, buyer's remorse? I'm, you're right. I'm sure some of us have like, like buyer's remorse, right? Like those kind of things. I, was, I told first service that uh, like there was a, I don't know, like a year, year and a half ago, Lee and I, we wanted a Blackstone grill. Like we're like, we gotta have a Blackstone grill. And so we ordered the Blackstone grill and then it shows up. I mean, it's literally sitting in our dining room. We're so excited, whatever. And then we're like, well, we also have this to pay for and that to do. And, that. and so I, I looked around and I was like, I think we got to give the Blackstone back. Those kind of things. And so we did. We actually sent the Blackstone back, all that kind of stuff. And so we had this buyer's remorse because we knew other things were going to come up. And so you've probably experienced that, le that, that level of like, now I've done that with like cars or electronics and those kind of things. And so, and so you've probably experienced that too. And you feel it. it's like this pit in your stomach kind of thing. You're like, oh, like, why did we do that? This buyer's remorse thing, right? Impulse decision-making folks 
can make us feel the same way. Not just buying things, but impulse decision-making, right? Like we see here at Adam and Eve. Like, uh, for example, like when you send that text message and you go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have sent that. <laughs> or, or maybe when you comment on that Facebook post or you say something while thinking, oh, like we have this experience and so impulse decision-making can make us feel this way. And, and what it does, it kind of brings a level of remorse, right? Like we, and the weight of it gets, hits us and what we see in Adam and Eve is this remorse hits pretty hard. Impulse decision made, verse eight says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, look at this, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Can I say that's decision remorse to a T? Like, by the way, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. He wants them to be in their presence, not hide from him. So what I think we can see is that there would have been value in them slowing things down, giving some time, talking things out, getting some counsel as reasonable doubt showed up here in this story. I think something that we can learn from and do more in our lives when it occurs in our lives, because it's gonna happen. We're gonna have these reasonable doubt moments come up in our life. And so slow it down, get some counsel, talk it out, pray. Let's not lock ourselves up as often relying on our independence overall, like we see them do. But for sure, instead rely on God. Because remember, like this, and some of you know this because you've been in the Bible, you've been in a church for a long time, but the reality is, remember this decision, what did it do? It actually separated them from God. Not only did it separate them from God, sin entered the world, created a mess for them and for us and all future generations. And so we for sure have to rely on God and uh, be dependent on him. And ultimately what the Bible says, it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It, the connection to God and the Bible, folks, it will help us. It will help us. It would have helped Adam and Eve avoid decision remorse more often. I don't know about you, but I, wanna, I don't wanna be in decision remorse in my life. And so we gotta be connected to God um, dependent on him. And, uh, that along with, as I mentioned, godly counsel to succeed is that proverb we looked at just a minute ago said, right? In order to avoid giving credence too often to reasonable doubt, which is the thing that Adam and Eve missed it in doing. I mean, they, they missed it. This is our point one. They missed it by giving credence. They gave credibility to the reasonable doubt. They need it and we need, folks, we need vulnerability in admitting that we don't always know what is best. And I will tell you that, that type A personalities like me, right? And some of you in this room, you're type A personalities like me. Like the reality is type A personalities, we don't like to admit that we don't know what's right. I'm sure I'm the only one, right? Folks, we need a level of vulnerability in us on a daily so that we can be, be vulnerable enough and say, God, I need, I need your counsel on this. Help me make this decision. Get some godly counsel because the, the fact is, is that likely, and oh, I have to admit that I do, do this too much, but admittedly, I end up in really messy places because I just think I know what's best, right? And so I think this value that we see from Adam and Eve, I think there would have been so much, like, can you imagine what our life would be like if they would have gotten counsel? Like, we'd be in the garden. Oh. I'm going to, on vacation on, on spring break, baby. I'm going to Panama City. Like, that, I'm like, oh, baby. Like, that would have been good. And so all of that changed because of what? Like, this, this credence to reasonable doubt. By the way, that plays out in our lives. Like there is something else on the other side when we actually don't, we don't go through this folks and it could be better. 
So that's point one today. All right, point two, you can fill this in. Adam and Eve missed it by letting the desire to gain, gain something, drive the decision that they had in front of them. All right, I just kind of mentioned this, right? Again, remember, they're in the Garden of Eden, right? Paradise, not much to complain about. And yet it says in verse six, that says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and then here it is, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And so it's interesting as I was studying this, like there was something to be desired here and she really began to notice that maybe there was something to this. Maybe there was something to be gained, something that, that she didn't have, that, that maybe she could now, that, that she could get. And not only did it look good, like it says that it was pleasing to the eye, like it looked good. It's kind of like when you go into a restaurant and, and, and the, the waiter brings the food to somebody else's table and it looks really like it's got the sizzling fajitas and you're like, oh baby, that looks good. So it's like this moment, like it looks good. Like, and, and so not only did it look good, but now if she eats this fruit, right, that, that looks good, it's the sizzling fajitas and all those kind of things. It doesn't just look good, it's gonna taste good. And ultimately now she's gonna have more wisdom and knowledge. I don't know about you, but if I was in Eve's shoes, I'm, I'm not sure I wouldn't have made the same decision because I like food. I like the sizzling fajitas. And not only do I like the sizzling fajitas, but the reality is, is that I'm gonna get something It kind of reminded me of, um, of a movie that came out a few years ago. It's a Bradley Cooper movie called Limitless. Anybody seen Limitless? Have you seen this movie? Nobody's seen it? Okay. I'm not endorsing it by any stretch of imagination, but, but it's, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the movie. It's kind of an interesting concept. Um, it uh, has Bradley Cooper in it, and it, Bradley Cooper is a struggling writer, um, and uh, he's just not, not having a good life, those kind of things, but his friend of his actually presents him with a miracle drug that if he takes this, uh, this medication, that he'll be able to use 100% of his brain. By the way, the average human does not use 100% of their brain. It's only a fraction of their brain, okay? So this actually like, okay, hey, like, so he takes this pill, those kind of things, and, and uh, as the movie plays out, uh, it, as you can imagine, changes everything. Being able to use 100% of your brain capacity, it literally would change everything. And, and so Cooper's character, uh, as, as it changes, like he, he leaves the writing world, he's no longer a writer, he actually rises to the top of the financial world. He tracks the attention of a, of a financial tycoon played by Robert De Niro in this movie. And uh, he tends to make all this great money and all those kinds of, kind of use him to get rich and all those kind of things. Um, but, by the way, there's always a but, right? But because of the terrible side effects from this medication, if you stop taking it, and a dwindling supply of this medication, uh, it actually threatens to collapse this so-called house of cards that Cooper uh, has built. And it puts him, this is what the, the synopsis in the movie says, it puts him in a new world with many dangers. Does that not sound familiar to our story? It's what we see play out in the text today, right? With Eve, I mean, there was something to be gained, right? That could, get, that could have changed everything. And so she's like, well, yeah, I'm gonna consider this. But, but folks, the truth of the matter, it indeed changes everything, but not in the way that maybe she thought. And she missed it. And Adam went along with it by letting the desire to gain, to gain something, drive the decision in this moment. And, and, and we, we know this. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna give you anything in the next few minutes that you probably haven't heard before, but folks, this is better, best known as something called the greener grass syndrome. 
right? And you know this, like, well, okay, I'm gonna make this decision, despite the fact that I might have some hesitation to make this decision. By the way, uh, just in case you're wondering, if there's hesitation, can I tell you that the, generally the answer is no? If there's hesitation, you might, that might be the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that, right? So if like, but we make, there's hesitation in us, maybe we've gotten counsel, like this isn't a good idea, but we see the thing to gain and so we go after it, folks. We can so easily, and it's like, oh, the grass will be greener on that side. Like, I don't like this grass. It's, 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 it's hard and stiff and it hurts. And so we're like, oh, we like over there. Right, I was thinking about how ways we can do this. We can find ourselves in this quite often. Like, uh, we can find ourselves this way, like relationally and maritally. Like, oh, I, this relationship sucks, but that one, if I get in with that person, by the way, how do you know that? Oh, uh, that's a tangent. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> nope. We can get this way emotionally, physically, financially. We can find ourselves in this grass is greener mentality so stinking much. I think it's what happens because by the way, that we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. So what they experience, like we're, we're living what they have too. So we struggle too with the midst of this, but folks, as a, again, like, like you, you've probably heard this before, but folks, you can fill this in on your handout. The grass is only greener where you water it. The grass is only greener while you're watering. It was true and it's true for us and it was true for Adam and Eve. Like instead of, so here's the thing about grass. If you water it, it gets nicer, right? Y'all yo, yo, awake, you getting this? The, if you water your, the grass, it will get nicer. If you fertilize it, you care for it, it'll get nicer. So instead of saying, look into all the places that we, the things we don't have or the things we want to do and all just water your grass. There would have been benefit, I think, if Adam and Eve in this moment, if, they, if she could have gone, I think, I think I'm just in a greener grass moment. I think that, because she was like, she was just seeing the, the, like, let me jump the fence. Let me get over here. And, and, and if, in this moment, if she would have just not let this whole what I can gain mentality play a role, gosh, if things would have been different. Again, they could have remained in the garden. They could have lived in paradise all their life. But no, she wanted this thing that she didn't have the desire for more, that which maybe she didn't have, enticed them and put them, as well as us, by the way, folks, oh, the sad part is we get to now live in this new world with many dangers. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get a little mad at Adam and Eve. Because this place stinks. I'm ready for heaven and I'm ready for this paradigm. I'm ready for that. And so like, it's so hard. And, 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 and now, now what we get to do is we, we just get to live, instead of paradise, we get to live in brokenness. That stinks. And remember, this had forever consequences, right? It, it says in verse 16, God gives Eve and all women theirs, their, their consequence for this, right? Uh, it says to the women, he said, because you have done this, I'll make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. If it was up to men to have children, we wouldn't have any. Because I wouldn't go through that. Because I, I, I hear that it's really painful. So pain's coming. Right, and then verse 17, Adam and men get theirs, right? It says to Adam, he said, curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Basically, it says from, from painful toil, you will eat. You're gonna have to work now and work really hard. And then verse 23 says, the Lord God banished him from the garden uh, to work the ground. And Eve was banished too, by the way. It's kind of a package deal. The desire for more, that which maybe they didn't have, enticed them and put them, as well as us folks, in a new world with many dangers, now living in brokenness all the days of our lives. The greener grass syndrome locked them and uh, us up. It took us and took them captive. 
uh, I'm guessing that some of you, like me, man, I've been held captive by the greener grass syndrome sometimes. Maybe um, it's because, and, and I think maybe this was like, well, for Adam and Eve, maybe because there's a level, just being honest with you, of greed that's in us. Or um, put a slice of pride mixed in there too, giving root to this whole like me over all things and all people, me against the world kind of mentality. And here's the sad part. Here's the such, the sad part of all of this. Jeff, you can kind of come up. Is that it did, and it does so often for us folks, it did the exact opposite of what she wanted. Luke 12, 15 says, watch out. By the way, if the Bible says watch out, we ought to watch out. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Proverbs 16, 18. First, this is in the message version. First pride, then the crash. Can I say that's so true in our story today? That then trickles into our lives, folks. That pride and that greed can trickle into our lives that we get to live now. The greener grass syndrome taking them and all too often on repeat, taking us captive still to this day. So I think a lesson to try and learn and implement in our lives then in order for us, oh, this would be so good, God help us, in order that the buck stops with us. Some of you know that I, uh, I have an, a dad who's an alcoholic and so uh, I decided in my life because I wanted the buck to stop with me, I don't, uh, I don't wanna be an alcoholic, so I just don't drink. So I made that decision. And how cool would it be if we made the decision to not live in this greener grass syndrome, like doubtful thing all the time and like the buck would stop with us. Oh, that would be so good. I would love for that to happen because I don't wanna be in dangers and toils and snares by the enemy in the midst of all this. By the way, remember the enemy was at the root of this whole thing. I don't wanna be there. And I don't, I, my guess is you don't wanna be there. So I think there's something to learn here and try, okay, Lord, help us, help us, help us, help us. So that kind of wraps up the, the second point, but just a reminder, Adam and Eve missed it by letting the desire to gain drive the decision. A great lesson to learn from how uh, they were internally locked up. And here's the thing, folks, we don't have to make the same choices. We have the same bent towards sinful things, but gosh, we don't have to make the same choices. Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.